0: Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian wine people.
1: Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast with me, Arthur Wooden My guest today is. Monty Wooden.
0: Thanks, Arthur, for having me on the show. Looking forward to your first question. What's your first question then?
1: So, how did you get into wine?
0: I was very bad at French at school and my French teacher was actually a French lady and she suggested I go to France for the summer to learn French and I ended up on working on a vineyard in Bordeaux. It was about 1984, so I was about 16 or 17 and I loved it. I kept going back every summer and I ended up making wine there for a, for a winery a few few years later.
1: Okay, so... Why are you uh, into organic wines?
0: Well, it's for two reasons mainly. Uh, The first reason is uh, my grandfather, which is your great-grandfather, was a smallholder. He grew uh, his own fruit and vegetables and my dad, so your grandfather, did the same thing. And I think you are what you eat and if you work with nature rather than against it by farming as naturally as possible. Uh, you're going to make healthier food and then have healthier human beings. And when I went to Bordeaux, uh, the winery I worked <coughs> on there was very, very conventional using all sorts of pesticides and herbicides uh, and fungicides. And basically you see all the money leaving out of the farm gate. Um, hard, hard to make money in wine where we were in Bordeaux. You're spending a lot of money on products that you, not only that you don't need them, they don't do anything for wine quality and they're very, very expensive. And then ultimately this guy went bankrupt. And it was a real lesson for me about the link between economic sustainability and environmental sustainability sustainability and also wine quality so that's why i'm into organics and biodynamics
1: do you prefer fizzy wine or not fizzy wine
0: um that's a good one it's difficult i think um the choice of wine that you go for is linked to probably who you're with your mood um, and also what's available i actually like lightly sparkling wines which is something that italy excels in rather than fully sparkling wines like champagne um i like a wine that has a little bit of a prickle uh, when you drink it and that again probably stems from the fact that when you're making wine you're often tasting a lot of samples from vats that are slightly slightly fizzy so I like that kind of um, that kind of mouth feel and um, you know one of my favorite regions is uh, Emilia where in uh, Emilia Romagna where you have these lovely um, spark lightly sparkling wines um, often with a little bit of sweetness lots of fruit and they're, and they're easy to drink and great with food so that's one of my favorite wine styles and incredible value as well. Next.
1: How do you see future of Italian wines?
0: Oh, that's a big one. I think the future is rosy. I think um, globally there's a more and more uh, increased interest in um, interesting wines. Uh, wines with a story and Italy's wealth of native grape varieties gives it a really um, unique USP. I think also organics is very strong in Italy, um, along with France and Spain. France, Spain, Italy, and Austria. They've all got more than ten percent of their vineyard organic uh, or biodynamics. That shows that they're working with nature rather than against it. So that again puts Italy in a, in a very good um, place. I think the elephant in the room, obviously, is climate change, and um, we're going to see a lot of changing in changes in the way that people farm uh, because we get sudden downpours and then really long periods of, of extreme heat and that's really difficult for vines even though they're very robust plants so you need to create um, a, a vineyard environment that is conducive to vines producing top quality wine in an uncertain climatic situation. So that just means you have to have vines with very strong roots. A deeper roots and you get that by using, using you know, things like cover crops or compost um, which is kind of like living fertility rather than conventional fertility which is salt which is um, conventional fertilizers and obviously if you're on a hot beach uh, the last thing you want to do is it's been given a glass of salt what you want. Is something that's uh, soft and has a bit of liquid in it, um, which is what compost does have. And it allows the soil to breathe and it retains water when it does rain. So you're going to see much more organics, I think, in the future. Uh, partly as a result of, of climate change and also consumer pressure.
1: OK, so do you have favourite wines?
0: You know what I'm going to say. My favourite wine is the last good wine I have with friends. If you put me on a desert island, which I hope you don't, um, I would probably have a lightly sparkling wine like we've just been talking about them they're sort of frizzante wines because they they have a little bit of that sort of life in them with the bubbles so I wouldn't want a heavy pomerol or, or brunello or anything like that I want something that's refreshing uh, and a little bit of fun that isn't too serious um, if I was on my own on a desert island next
1: okay so brunello or Lambrusco?
0: oh so <laughs> a choice between <laughs> Brunello and Lambrusco. Well, if it's on a desert island, I'd definitely go for the um, Lambrusco. Uh, I think the difference between the two is Lambrusco is an everyday wine, Brunello is probably a special occasion wine. And I'm more naturally drawn, I have to say, to everyday wines, and uh, just because I think I find them much more versatile. There's nothing wrong, obviously, with a with a great Brunello. Brunello, the region Montalcino is a very good example of how viticultural practices have changed for the better. Ten years ago, Brunello had about 250 producers, six of whom were organic and now it's over 60 who are certified organic and some of them are also biodynamic as well um, so you can see as a flagship region one of Italy's and one of the world's flagship regions um, how organics is not seen as a risk uh, it's actually seen as a way of, of augmenting and maintaining high quality but yes, on the desert island I would actually go for the Rine rather than the Brunello
1: So next, which is your favourite region for wine in Italy?
0: Uh, for wine drinking or for tourism, that's difficult. Um, all I can say, I can't answer that. It's just, I'd like, there's, there isn't an Italian region that I've been to that I haven't liked. And um, all I can say is, when I go on a press trip and I tell my friends, yeah, I'm going, uh, I can't come tomorrow because I've got to go on a press trip, and they will say, Where are you going? And if I say, I don't know, France, I go, Oh, okay. And if I say Spain or, or Austria, oh, okay, that'd be fine. Germany, mm, yeah, all right. If I say Italy, they say, Oh, can i come with you honestly that's what people say it's just got that sort of magic about it it's it's um you know the beauty of italy the frustrations of italy <laughs> contradictions, the craziness the the unexpected but also the fact that this is a place where if you don't love life you're just not going to survive it's, it's a place where really people live life to the full in every sense of the word and it's got a sort of real atmosphere to it that I find, I well, initially found quite challenging actually but now I find I've really got used to it and um, I'm ready for, ready for the unexpected which is a little bit what Italy's mm-hmm. about and that just, um, it just makes life more interesting okay?
1: Well I arrived at one of my own um almost last
0: questions one of your one of your last questions okay yeah Yeah, it's been a pretty hectic interview so far so far you've done really well i
1: can think something else so which was your longest book of volcanic wines
0: what was my longest what Longest book? Uh, the longest book that I've written. Yeah. Um, a lot of, a lot of people say all well, my books are long because they probably send people to sleep. I can't, I don't know what my longest book was. Probably oh, so a book on biodynamics, probably explaining, you know, lunar cycles and etheric formative forces and compost and cow horns and, and things like that. Um, yeah, probably, I don't know, three or four hundred pages, which is probably a lot more than you do at school, actually, my little lad, isn't it? They don't work you very hard at school. No, they do. Yeah, they never be
1: good. I
0: don't know about that. Okay, are we done?
1: Almost my last questions. All right. So my last question could be so which was your longest broadcast?
0: My longest podcast.
1: Podcast, yeah.
0: Hmm. Do you know I don't know? I have to ask Julia Bruno, my my wonderful producer, she'll know. I honestly don't know what our longest uh, podcast was. No, we don't have a set time for them. If somebody wants to talk, we let them talk. It's not like we um, get people in the door and out of the door. Um, I honestly can't remember, Arthur. That's a good question. You've caught me on the hop there, I'm afraid.
1: Okay, so we finish from me, Arthur, (laughs) with my dad, Monty.
0: Thanks, Arthur.
1: Okay, bye. You're
0: a natural. It's been uh, great um, getting your questions, and let's hope this all makes sense when it's broadcast. Bye. Thanks, darling. Bye. Follow Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook and Instagram.